So we've been trying to get up and close and personal and, and, and almost like smell him, you know, just to be like really tight in, you know. And, and again, we're going to get to the gifts and we're going to get to the, to the power and to all that. But what we really wanted to concentrate was really on the personhood of, of the Holy Spirit. The church has often, I think, kind of treated the Holy Spirit, at least in various uh, parts and seasons, as, as the forgotten God. As, as someone that we call on for when we need a, we need a power boost, but not really wanting or, or maybe even a little afraid of knowing who the Holy Spirit is. And therefore, that kind of leads, leads us to this kind of disconnect. And we don't realize that really we're disconnecting from God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. That's who He is. We call Him the Holy Spirit, but His real name is God. That's who He is. So we've been talking about that and exploring that. In this book that, we, that Mike and I have been reading, The Forgotten God by Francis Chan, Francis Chan has this awesome quote that the first time I picked up the book, I, almost, I kind of skimmed through books first, and then I zeroed in on this quote, and listen to this quote. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. And the point of that was that I don't want to walk through life and have people observe how I walk through my life and then think it, it, that it's me. The way I handle my marriage, the way I handle raising my kids, the way I, I work as an employee, the way I uh, uh, live as a member of a community of faith and a community of, of High Park, you know, the things that are uh, shown, the, the, the power and, and the influence and and the, the effect of my life, I don't want people to notice Jay. I want people to notice that it's the Holy Spirit, that I can't live this life without God. That's what that quote means. I don't want anyone to be able to explain my life and say, you know what, he's really good at that. He's an excellent fill-in-the-blank. I want them to say, you know what, I know him. He's, a, he's an all right God, but he can't do that in his own strength. There's no way he can live that way. See, that's, the, that's, that's what that quote is. That's what uh, Francis' heart is. And this, God so struck me that it, is, it is just still rattles me to think about that. You know, I think about the things that I have influence and, and the places I have influence, and I'm grateful for them. But then I think about, man, I want people to really know that that's not me. I have a lot of skill sets. There's a lot of strengths and abilities and giftings I have. But really, without God, I am desperate. I'm lost without Him. And I want people to notice not Jay Cookingham. I want them to notice the Holy Spirit working through Jay Cookingham's life. That's the only way a real difference is made in this world. But in order for that to happen, I have to know this Holy Spirit. I have to, to have an experience with Him that, it is, that is vibrant because it's relational. It's not just about getting uh, all the gifts that I can get. And, and certainly, again, gifts are important, but it's because they're relational, because of the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit connects us one to another, and He connects us to the gospel story. This is what I love about the Holy Spirit. This is, and again, this is all relational. The Holy Spirit takes the life of Jesus. It takes His birth. It takes His ministry. It takes His death. It takes His resurrection, and it makes it all real to us. He makes those stories real to us. He makes the gospel real to us. When Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead us to all truth, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about explaining God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in ways that not only can we understand, in ways that we can know him. See, it's relational. It's not just knowledge, it's a relational commitment to this God who wants to be known by us. So it's not just head knowledge, it's a heart change that says, you know what, I want to know this God because knowing this God changes everything. And the Holy Spirit does that. He connects us to, to the Trinity and helps us. He leads us into all truth. He doesn't shove truth down our throat. He shepherds us into truth. He doesn't drive us into truth. He leads us into truth. This is also the way, this is, a, this is for free, this is also the way how we're supposed to deliver the gospel, by the way. Not to shove truth down people's throat. They're supposed to lead people into truth. Okay, that's enough about that. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for that you're here with us, that you're always with us. You promised never to leave us or forsake us. You said you wouldn't leave us as orphans, which means you want to be Father God to us. We thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here this morning with us. That we get to experience the triune God in all its complexity, in all your wonders. We get to experience you and know you because that's your heart and, and you, want us, you want us to know you. So thank you for that. We give you praise and honor and glory. And because of that, we can have peace in this world that's so troubled, so disturbed in our own world that's so troubled and disturbed. So we ask, Father, now in Jesus' name and through the, the Holy Spirit's leading that you would come and you would empty me of me and that you would put words of life inside of me because you have said you know, that there's a river of life deep within us. It would flow and it, it would come out of us. And that's what I ask, Father, that you would anoint these things so that we can hear your voice, your voice only, that we would respond to the things that you asked us to respond to this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I absolutely hate camping. I've never liked it. And there are many, many reasons why. But it's probably least, I think the root cause of my hate, hating camping came from this one experience. I used to be a Royal Ranger. I don't know how many know what Royal Rangers are, but they're the uh, Assembly of God equivalent to Boy Scouts. And since I grew up at Faith Assembly, I was a Royal Ranger. And we went on camping trips just like the Boy Scouts do. We had to earn badges and all, all that kind of stuff. And so we were on this one camping trip, and our troop leader decided that it would be good for us as young men 
to, to experience sleeping out underneath the stars. And so uh, we all had like separate parts in this campground. There was a group of about six of us. And, and he said, okay, so you know, you're not going to have a leader with you. You're going to sleep out here underneath the stars. But I'm telling you, you need to keep a fire going in order to keep all the night critters away. And so we, would, we had set up a, you know, you get, a, you get this watch, I get this watch, and, and everybody was, was supposed to tend the fire. Now someone, and I'm not saying who, did not wake up and tend the fire like he was supposed to. I'm not saying it was me, I'm just saying that someone didn't do it. And so the fire went out. So you have a group of six guys just kind of sleeping in their sleeping bags, you know, unaware that the fire is out. And uh, earlier that night, they, they uh, decided to have some watermelon. And, of course, not properly disposing of the watermelon rinds uh, was also a further attraction to what we had termed later on in our lives as the night visitor. The night visitor consisted of, of a big, nosy, kind of arrogant, kind of had a bad attitude skunk. And I don't know who noticed the skunk first, but we all woke up pretty quickly. And so being 11-year-old boys, we did the only rational thing that we could do. We just pulled the sleeping bags over underneath our heads and tried not to scream. Now, the skunk was very nosy. And so he proceeded to go and and sniff each uh, sleeping bag because he was curious about what was going on, you know. So we try not to freak out the skunk because we don't, we don't want the skunk to, to freak out either. Uh, so I took a little peek, and then I noticed that the skunk, at that moment that I took a peek, turned around and looked at me and decided to come to over towards, towards my sleeping bag. I, of course, being very brave, covered my head in the sleeping bag as well. And then for some strange reason, this skunk decided to walk on top of me. And so I felt him walk on top of my sleeping bag. He was walking all around me. And I'm like freaking out on the inside of the sleeping bag. What is this skunk doing? And I'm just praying, you know, don't let him explode, you know, because that's not going to be good. And, and all of a sudden, I felt on my sleeping bag, or heard mostly, kind of like rain falling. And for some reason, the skunk decided that he was going to pee all over my sleeping bag. Which I guess in retrospect is better than the other one. But of course it made me freak out. And somehow I went like this. And the skunk went you know, flying through the air. Somewhere into the bushes. Kind of like tumbled around. Decided that that was enough for him. And he left, thankfully, without spraying everybody. But the night visitor taught us a very important moral to the story. Don't let your fire Don't let, because, you know, we, letting the fire out, left, you know, lessened the security of our camp. You know, it, it made our camp vulnerable. It could have left it very smelly, too, but, I mean, it, it, thankfully it didn't do that. That's what we talked about, you know, when a, when a house or a building or a structure, if every part of that structure is on fire, the firemen say that it's fully involved. Fully involved fire. Did you also know that if you have the right amount of fuel, the right amount of heat, and the right amount of oxygen, that a fire will double in size every minute? 
double in size every minute. I thought about that, and I said, you know what, that's kind of the life that we're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit inside of us. Being the temple of the Holy Spirit, having this fire inside of us of the Holy Spirit, our God is a consuming fire. That, that where our fire is should double every moment of our lives. It should increase every moment of our lives, and that can't happen if we neglect the fire. If we let the fire go out. So, if you would turn to First Thessalonians, chapter five. Talk a little bit more about fire. We're going to start in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And verse 19 do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. The Greek word for quench means to extinguish, to smother, to douse, snuff out. And this word was obviously used in talking about fires, putting out fires. Or putting out a lamp that you use to light your way. So it, it, we, kinda, we can identify with this word. But I'm, I'm wondering, the question I had with this is, is how do you quench the spirit? How do you put that kind of fire out? We're talking about God here. How do we quench that spirit? Well, I think he just told us. Rejoice always. It's a command. And when we choose not to rejoice, when we choose to not obey that command, we, we quench the spirit. When we don't pray, we're commanded to live a lifestyle of, of prayer. Is you know, pray without ceasing. That means praying without interruption. That means having an attitude of prayer that you're ready to pray at any moment. That it's your first response. We're commanded to give thanks in all circumstances, not when just things are good, but in all circumstances. And so when we don't obey that, we quench the Spirit in us. So I love that it gives us the answer, and there's, there's some more answers in here, but we're going we're gonna to move on from there for a minute. Because these are relational commands that have relational consequences when they're ignored. These are, sur, these are surefire ways to quench the Spirit. And they are sin, because they're commandments when we refuse to do them. And they also grieve the Spirit. Remember, we talked about grieving the Spirit, that the word grieve meant to throw someone into sorrow. And the kind of things that throw the Spirit into sorrow, that grieve the Spirit, was they were all relational things. They were things that... They grieve the Spirit because there was the loss of relationship. Whenever we're missing someone, but the Holy Spirit misses the relationship that we have with us. And we want to grieve the Spirit. Because when we quench the Spirit, 
we also grieve the Spirit. Quenching is what we do to the Spirit. Grieving is what, how He responds to the quenching. See, they go, they're, they're relational to each other even. So you don't quench the Holy Spirit without grieving the Holy Spirit, and you will not grieve the Holy Spirit unless you quench the Holy Spirit. See, it's just so connected. We're talking about relating to a relational God who takes covenant relationships seriously, serious enough to set up residence inside of us. Ephesians 4, if you would turn there, Ephesians 4. One to three says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner of worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing one another, and love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What I love about this is that this continues this whole theme of, of how the Spirit is all about relationship. Relationship with, with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but also he is concerned about the relationship that we have with each other. And, and if we abuse the relationship, if we don't keep the unity of the Spirit, we actually quench the Spirit. And then we grieve the Spirit. I'd like to just take apart verse 3 here. It says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. The word eager in the Greek means to use speed, make great effort, and to be prompt and earnest. The word maintain in the Greek means to guard and keep an eye on. The unity of spirit in the Greek is, is, a, is a picture of just oneness. Complete oneness. No separation. And the bond of peace. The Greek here, this is, this is pretty awesome. The Greek means a bond. It means a band. Something that you wrap around, something to hold it together. But it's really talking about the ligaments of a body that helps a body stay together. I love that. I think that's just beautiful. It's really, he's talking about a body. He's talking about a body of believers, a body of followers that he wants to, to have this unity of spirit and with a bond of peace. Again, the whole peace theme is, is important. The Holy Spirit, he wants us to keep us in unity. So what, we're talking about quenching a fire, not putting a fire out. And What is the opposite of quenching a fire then? Stoking the fire. Stirring it up. 2 Timothy 1.7 We're going to start in verse 6. For this reason I remind you and to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I love this because (laughs) Paul is telling Timothy, don't ignore your fire. Fan it, feed it, keep it lit, fire it up. Do everything that you can 
to keep this fire going. Because it's a gift. It's a gift. The verb fan into flame is is a uh, is to denote a constant working at something. It means to be constantly at it, to, to do always be busy with it. It's an action word. It's, it's not just something that we do once and then we watch the fire burn. It means that we're constantly involved in it. This is this is our investment in the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. That this is our involvement. This is our investment. This is how we are interworking with the Holy Spirit. We fan into, we fan the flame that God has already given us. He provides the fuel, and the fuel is in verse eight of seven. I'm sorry. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I love that that God supplies the fuel source because He gave us a generous gift. That gift is the powerful spiritual courage. Courage that empowers us to live and love like He does. This is powerful self-controlled love vessels that we become because of it. All right. We're going to go back to 1 Thessalonians again. So go back to that verse. 1 Thessalonians 5. How we fan these flames. We always said we're going to rejoice. We're going to pray. We're going to be grateful. Because what these things do is, fire needs draft. Fire needs oxygen. So what these things do is open the windows of our heart, of our mind, of our spirit. And they fan into flames when we do these things. They, they cause more burning. They keep the fire lit. Because we open ourselves to be completely His. This was what you know, uh, Linda was sharing before. As we open ourselves, we want more power. We, we want more of Him in our lives. Well, we have to open ourselves in order for that to happen. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not shove truth down our mouths, but He will lead us into truth. I want to add a few more to this list. So we're going to go back to verse 12. It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and I'll over you in the Lord and demolish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to every one. So another way not to... To, to, to quench the spirit is to be at, to respect, to be at peace, to warn, to exhort. Remember that word exhort means to call near. Exhort those who need it. Maybe these are people, brothers and sisters, who are ignoring, fanning their, their flame. And then uh, they're not doing their responsibility to, to help the body out. See, because when we're all fanning our flame, when we're keeping those fires lit, we are helping each other. We are encouraging each other to do the same. It said to encourage the weak. That word means to calm and comfort. And this one really, really got to me. Don't repay evil for evil. Basically, don't seek revenge. 
Sometimes when we talk to the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit, we want to talk about the gifts. We want to, we want to see how we can get the gifts, how we can apply the gifts. But what we really need is a supernatural, uh, supernatural ex- flame-up of love or forgiveness. Sometimes we might have a relationship that has gone sour and... What we need is not a supernatural gift, but a supernatural uh, expression of forgiveness. So sometimes when we have um, a misunderstanding, what we need is a supernatural expression of, of kindness. This is what this is saying. Don't, you know, some bad things are going to happen to you in, in relationships. Things are going to happen... That that might even seem evil. He says, but don't repay evil for evil. I think it's in Corinthians. It says, you know, you know, to overcome evil with kindness. And then he says, always seek to do good to one another. And then he says, really, to everyone, <laughs> not just one another, but everyone. These are these are ways that we can keep ourselves from quenching the spirit. Now, there is one right after it, right after the, when we're, we're going to get into this one, but not today. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. We're going to get into that because that is also how we can quench the spirit, by despising prophecy. That's a whole new story. We're going to keep, that's a long one. We're not going to get into that today, but we will. I promise you. All right, so I had this thought. How do we fan these flames then? How do we really fan these flames? The whole concept of of fanning this flame is really talking about, to me, worship. A sacrifice of praise. So if you wouldn't mind, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament to Leviticus chapter 6. This I found very interesting. Chapter 6. Verse 12 through 13. I really do think this is worship because when we offer ourselves, when we offer our gifts and our abilities and our talents, we become vessels. We become instruments of worship. So listen to this. Verse 12. The fire on the altar shall, shall be kept burning on it, and it shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he should arrange the burnt offering on it, and he shall burn it on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. This sounds a lot like Timothy. Don't fan, you know, you know, fan the flames. Don't let this fire go out. I think since Paul was a Jew, he was thinking of the Old Testament way of doing sacrifice. And this is why I think so. This is how I think so. How do we fan the flames? We've got to start the day focused on the fire. Start the day focused on the fire. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning. The focus should be on worship every morning. On the fire. We want to, be, we want to wake up with worship on our lips. Worship on our heart. 
We want to place objects, things that we need to burn up. You know, our God is a consuming fire. He wants to burn away the things that need to be burned away and purify the things that need purified. Because the purification process makes us stronger. It burns away the dross and allows the gold to come shining through. So we want to start today focused on the fire. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the focus. This is how we fan the flames. We start the day focused on the fire. Okay. The second point was to arrange the offering on the fire. This is interesting because the sacrifice was done in layers. The fire was always lit. They kept the fire always going. But when they went to do the sacrifice, they did it in stages. There was, there was a first stage, there was a second stage, and then there was a third stage. And the third stage is the fat. The, the fat of the, of the animal they would put on last. And so to me, this, this is what this book says. You know, the range, they would move this around on, on the altar. And this to me was, you know, to allow the Holy Spirit to direct our steps. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to arrange our day. To arrange the way we approach our day. To, to the way that we walk through our day. See, again, we, we don't want our, we want to live un, <laughs> undefined lives in this way. We, we don't want people to define us by anything else but walking with God. So we have, to, we have to arrange the sacrifice. We have to get things out of the way, allow him to burn certain things, and, and to prioritize our life is really what this is saying. Arrange the sacrifice on the altar. And then number, um, no, we're going to go, Romans 12, 1 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and what? Holy sacrifice. The kind that he would find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And I think that's what that goes along with. You know, the, the sacrifice, arranging it on the fire. We are, we are a living and holy sacrifice. And that is really the way we worship him. So we start the day focused on the fire. We arrange the offering on the fire. And then we burn the fat of the peace offerings. The fat was the richest part of the offering. And since offering was done in layers, again, this was the top layer. The cool thing about this peace offering, it was also known as the fellowship offering. We don't burn fires alone. We're supposed to do this in community. Remember, the, 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 the spirit is all about unity, about teaching unity, about bringing us in unity. And it's important for us to burn fires, to fan the flames of our own lives, but to encourage each other and fan the flames of each other's fires. This is also an offering that we give to God. How we serve each other, how we commit our lives to each other, is also worship. 1 John 1.8 says this, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. We need each other to keep our fires going. We need each other to, 
to remind us. We might notice that someone's fire flame is going out, and we might want to come alongside and encourage them to, and maybe even help them fan their fire. This is all worship to God, how we relate to each other, how we honor the heart of the Holy Spirit is for unity, and how we honor that brings worship and glory to God. And it also, we don't grieve the Holy Spirit, and we don't quench the Holy Spirit in the same way. Does that make sense? Make sense? What I love about all this, again, is that how relational God wants to relate to us. And how, although He is, we can't find enough words to describe Him, but He wants to be known to us. And so the power that He wants to place inside of us through the Holy Spirit I, you know what? I want to see miracles in this church. I do. I, I want to see people walking in the freedom of every gift that God has placed inside of them. And I want us to hunger and thirst for, for more. But I think that cannot happen unless we know who He is. Everything else is a pale imitation. Francis Chan goes on to, and to say in one of the chapters, he goes, he goes, I am pretty sure I know how to run a church. And when he was pastor of a large, he was, it was a pretty large church. And he says, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of times it was just me. It was just my talents and my abilities and my giftings. And people will come and see that. But he learned and he, and he grieved over himself saying, you know what, that's, but that's not good enough for me. What I want is a life that can't be defined by anything else but the Holy Spirit moving through me. So when I love someone, people who don't recognize me, love me, they go, wow, how could he love that person? It has to be God. How can he, how can he come alongside that person? Well, it had to be God because he doesn't have that in him. And that's, I think, my heart desire and leadership's heart desire for all of us that that, yeah, we're, you know what, we, we want to lay hands on people and we really do want to see them healed. I mean, that would be awesome. It really would. And we need to pray for that and we need to, to seek God for those things. But I'm telling you, if we don't know his heart, if we don't know who he is, we've missed something more wonderful than even someone being healed. We have to know who he is. We have to realize that this is a relational God that wants to relate to us intimately, up close and personal, and He wants to challenge every belief that we have and make it line up with His Word. He wants to challenge every way that we love, every way we show kindness, every way we show compassion. Every, he wants to challenge it all, and he wants, to, he wants to consume it with His holy fire, and He wants to make it pure so that He can really use us in this world. It's the only way that we can be used. We are lost without Him. If we do not comprehend the importance of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we ignore it, 
the flame, the fire does go out. Jesus said in Revelation, well, I, you know, I, I wish you were either hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. Because I'm going to have to spit you out of my mouth. This is Jesus saying this. Love-filled Messiah. Jesus thinks it's, it's important for us to be on fire. And one of and one of the scriptures, and I think it's in Ephesians, Paul says, you know, I want you to be fervent in spirit. The Greek word for fervent means there to boil, to be boiling all the time, in a constant state of boil, not angry, but boiling with the, with, with the Holy Spirit, so that. At any moment, there is an eruption of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because you know, if you let things boil, it usually goes over the top of a pot or something like that. It just starts to go. That's, that's what he wants. He wants us to be, at any moment, to have a, a boiling over of love towards one another. Compassion, forgiveness, kindness. All the fruits of the Spirit are the things that are supposed to be boiling inside of us. Because that is the only way that we get changed, and it's the only way that we can affect change in this world that is so troubled. See, truth is important. How we live out the truth is more important. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. So this, this whole series is challenging me and that, that thought that I don't want anything, any part of my life to be explained by Jay. I want it to be explained by the fact that I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me.